filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So DC United is playing the Chicago Fire this week. And before the show, Jason and I are talking about Chicago's game against Nashville. And Jason describes it uh, basically as an atomic wedgie uh, that, that Chicago was the recipient of. And it reminded me of a tangentially soccer-related memory from my childhood, uh, playing youth soccer in southern Indiana. Uh, one of my teammates' little sisters was climbing in a tree like there was between the fields and the parking lot and she slipped and there was a little like part of a branch that had gotten cut off and she fell luckily didn't scrape her back or anything but it somehow hooked her underwear and she just stopped in midair and literally had an atomic wedgie there just supporting her entire weight she was fine she wasn't hurt but given uh, an atomic wedgie by mother nature yes the the earth uh bullied her that day yeah, harder than I've ever seen, <laughs> and more stereotypically, like not even like a cliche bullying, not even a yeah, oh, yeah. Bullying, which is what no. which is what Mother Nature does to us now, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, uh, we're getting all kinds of stuff uh, outside today. The skies were all hazy, and the sun looked weird while the sun's uh, setting sun, and it turns out that's uh, residual smoke from the West Coast wildfires. Um, so, and that's here. That's where we live, which is not there. Um, yeah. So yeah, great, uh, great bullying that we're getting. Uh, I feel like I have been spiritually wedged uh, yeah. over I mean, and it, over it's, again. It's it's better question mark than <laughs> floods rampaging sure. through your town and destroying it, like is happening in Germany. But it sounds like there's a lot of people who who are rallying to support the town where this happened in Western mm-hmm. Germany, including the supporters of many. German soccer clubs, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool to see people using those connections to organize and help each other. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And that's where we'll start the show. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Uniting Against Mother Nature podcast. I don't know. Don't go with that. That's not a good one. We, I don't want we Mother have Nature to, coming for us. We, we have to assemble as one as one humanity to take down Mother Nature for one, once and for all. I'm just kidding. We, it's all our fault. Like, so much of this. <laughs> we, we've already fault. done this. Yeah. Mother Nature is completely uh, on. We're not here. equipped. Like this is a fight we can't win. Um, no. <laughs> I'm Adam Taylor. He's Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley is on assignment tonight. Uh, we are all from BlackAndRedUnited.com, where we talk about DC United, the Washington Spirit, and a lot more. Uh, this podcast, however, is is mostly DC United. That's what we've got tonight. DC lost two to one in Philadelphia. Well, in Chester at Philadelphia um, this weekend. We'll we'll talk about that game. Uh, we're also going to talk about the upcoming game this Wednesday midweek action. DC United at Chicago Fire, eight o'clock Wednesday night. Watch it in all the usual places: NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN Plus. 
We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Later in the week, we will have a preview of DC United's weekend matchup on Buzzard Point against the Red Bulls, the first edition of the first 2021 uh, renewal of the Atlantic Cup. That happens Sunday night, 8 p.m., uh, late game for a Sunday. Usually they're not they're not that late. Um, but again, if you can't make it down to Audi Field, watch it in all the usual places. Before we talk about anything else, though, Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking what I think has become the beer of the summer for me this year. Um, it is Union Craft Brewing's uh, Thirst Monster Kolsch. Um, I keep finding myself wanting to go back to it. Um, I will say part of this is that what I actually keep wanting is Key Brewing's uh, Positive Mental Attitude Pills. Uh, but I seem to only be able to find that if I go to, like across Anne Arundel County to like the north side of the county. Um, over there, I found it in several places. When I've been visiting friends in that general direction, I've stopped at places and I've found it there. Uh, down, down here, closer to the water, I don't know why I can't find it. It's driving me nuts. Um, but that means that usually I'm like, all right, well, where's the thirst monster? And then I go find it. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty good uh, summertime Kolsch. I mean, uh, it doesn't sound like too thrilling, but also it's uh, the last couple of years. This is what I want out of a out of a hot weather beer is I just want something that is going to be tasty and not complicated. Um, and that's what this is delivering. Yeah, I remember a couple summers ago. I can't remember who did it, but it was a company that just made a lager, simple lager, almost a macro style lager, but it was out of a mm -hmm. craft brewery and it was, they just called it pub beer. It was what they brewed for themselves. Like sure. when they had a little bit extra stuff, but not enough for a full batch of something. And then they started giving it to their friends and their friends were like, you guys need to make this. And so they just put it in a white can with black letters. It looked like something oh, yeah. out of your health textbook in elementary school. And it was just called pub beer. And it was this really easy lager. And for a whole summer, I was just like, this is great. And they charged no money for it. It was way cheaper than any other craft beer. It was fantastic. And I can't find it anymore. It's gone. Uh, uh, Duclaw Brewing does. They have they have that, but it, they call it regular beer. Um, and it's, <laughs> which, it's which for them makes sense because Duclaw makes um, pretty yeah out there some stuff. out there beers yeah but this is it's regular beer and the font it's a white label with black letters but the font is like typewriter uh typewriter uh mm -hmm. settings it's not like um, impact yeah yeah um but yeah same exact idea um i think duclaw maybe doesn't charge uh it's at the low end of a craft price range but it's not below the craft price range so that's maybe the one drawback but yeah if you need if you're looking for a substitute for that that's my recommendation is regular beer <laughs> i'll i'll note that i I got to look for the thirst monster too. This is not the first time you've talked it up to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I've had it like year. three times on the show. Um, yeah. I, I'm getting repetitive, but it's good. Uh, tonight I have a uh, bourbon Ricky with a little bit of Peychaud's bitters in it. So it makes this nice kind of pink color with okay. the green lime floating around in there. It mm -hmm. looks very attractive um, and it tastes good too. So uh, that's what I'm having. It's not as hot as it's been, but you know, it's still summer in DC, so yeah. a rookie is is always welcome in in these kind of circumstances. Um, I guess soccer then. Yes, I, I suppose that's why people are listening to this. Uh, so we should talk about it. DC United came out of the gate on fire, only to uh, give up a goal against the run of play, and then pull level early in the second half before giving up a frustratingly similar to the first goal game winner. Uh, then the skies opened up because it was that kind of night in Chester, PA. And uh, after 
essentially a game length delay. They came back out to play the last four minutes of regular time, the five minutes of extra time, of which I think about two actually got played because yes. both Philly, Philly had no interest in playing it and the ref had no interest in staying any longer than he had to at that point. So extra time really didn't happen, but that's not why DC United lost. It was these two goals, uh, both of which were very similar and really tough to give up uh, and, and something that DC United's got to learn how not to do in this system because they were both the product of overcommitment and just abandon almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, the first goal you're United's trying to high press. Um, and look, this is always part of the risk. If you high press and you get broken, if that pressure doesn't slow the other team down, uh, you can get hit on the counter. And that's exactly what happened. The union, um, have the ball on the right with Olivia Mbizo. He he moves it out wide to uh, Bedoya, and uh, from there, DC's it's already a three on four uh, against DC. It's not a good uh, good odds, and um, it's well executed from Philly. You know, Bedoya knows the sees the opportunity, takes the ball forward as far as he can before he uh, makes the pass. Shabilko touches it on, and Sergio Santos is in alone. Um, the issue for DC really comes much earlier in this this move where they get they get four guys around the ball but they're not structured well enough to actually do anything to stop him by so he he's not having to think about a pass sideways he's not thinking about having to turn out of this pressure and find a, an, an escape route the other way he always has this angle out to the wing for Bedoya um, and if you're going to send four guys into that compact a space around the ball around one player you can't leave the escape route because now if the ball gets out that four V one, those guys are all out of the play, but that means that you have seven players left and they've got 10. Um, and now they've got a lot more space to operate with. So, um, and, and you know, on top of that, you've also got your players are generally expecting those four guys pressing to not let this happen. So your others, your seven remaining players are not just, there's not just fewer of them. They are also now caught off guard. Um, and it's all it's all down to just a poorly uh, a poor structure uh, in a press for a moment. You know, it looks to me when I bring up the replay that Junior Moreno maybe uh, steps a little too high and doesn't necessarily uh, register that he needs to block this passing lane to Bedoya. Um, Joseph Mora is up high a little bit, so he's tracking. He's always behind Bedoya. He never has a chance to even get there and and um, be a factor. Um, and so you end up with re- really just Nigel Roberta applying pressure on the ball and no one else. Um, and since the union have their escape route uh, out of that pressure, they always, they always have a chance to get out. Um, as long as they have players that are smart enough to say like, well, I'll just make this pass here. That's forward, uh, and out of this pressure, I'm just going to take that. Um, and that's what can happen. You know, this is the downfall of, bad pressing teams they make this kind of mistake a lot dc this year hasn't made this kind of mistake very often uh but they have made it before if we go back to the season opener nycfc got them to come all the way like everybody came to one side of the field and they managed to just get the ball into the middle and and one quick flick out to the right and anton tinnerholm had uh, maybe more space than any individual mls player has had on the ball this year outside of like goalkeepers taking a goal kick um, he was about 40 yards from any other human being in that moment. 
Um, except maybe the people in the luxury seats at field level at Audi field. Those are the only people that were nearby. Um, so yeah, this is, this is the downfall of any pressing system. If you, if you commit heavily to one spot, but you don't do it in the right structure, it ends up being an overcommitment instead of the right commitment. And so instead of DC pressing uh, intelligently and causing Philly to have to reset or lose the ball, it becomes a risk that that the union are good enough. They, they, you know, it wasn't a lot of fun watching the union do this, but uh, they are really good at this plan B now. Of they, they, they were last year. It was like we have to be a pressing team. Um, that's how we beat everyone. This year, they've shown that they can also switch to this pretty cynical counterattacking game plan and do it well because what they did on this play wasn't it wasn't that easy. A lot of MLS teams aren't smart enough to maybe they make the pass to Bedoya, but maybe he that player receiving it is not pushing plays, not driving play forward, isn't getting the right runs further forward, and just has to be like, well, we moved out of the pressure at least, but that's all we got out of it. Yeah, um, they recognize the opportunity to yes to counter and they go at speed like it, it, they're really good at it mm-hmm. and they make the right decisions on the ball like they, everyone look everyone makes decisions like Landon Donovan on that team it seems like which he was one of the best in MLS history at making decisions on the run and they did it to us twice uh the second time DC United's pushing to you know get the game winner after equalizing and Andy Nahar at right center back had moved forward to you know, create an option out there. Tony Alfaro gets on the ball, plays a one, two, and just keeps his run going. And then Nigel Roberta gets on the ball, gets kicked in a way that DC United players were getting kicked all night is unable to hold onto the ball. I don't know whether it should have been a foul. It wasn't given though. Uh, He gives up possession and Philadelphia are off to the races going exactly where Tony Alfaro used to Mm -hmm. be before he made that run. And if Annie Nahar is not already forward, that run is fine to make. If if one of the central midfielders had rotated back, it would have been fine. But those things weren't true in this situation. And Philly attacked the empty space uh, really ruthlessly and uh, got it to Santos, their fastest attacker. And he ended up drawing Steven Birnbaum over, who was unable, unable to make the tackle, um, sprained his ankle in the process of trying mm-hmm. to make it. And Santos squared it for Shabilko, who, you know, he's always going to make that. He's Casper Shabilko. He's a, he's a good striker. He's always Especially against that. D.C. Especially yeah, against he, D.C. Yeah, he I steps think, up against D.C. It's mad. I, I, I want to say that um, on the broadcast, Dave Johnson made sure to mention, uh, maybe not on this goal, I think it was on the goal that got called back, um, that this was, I believe, Shabilko's sixth goal in six games against D.C. Um, but, yeah, this was, uh, you know, this was – not as complicated a counter for the union because once they won the ball, it was just a real quick look up and see that there it was two V two um, and just play it into some space for, or I'm sorry, two V one. Yeah. Um, so play it into some space for Sergio Santos for a two V one. Uh, any, you know, 12 year olds can recognize that one. They might not be able to hit the ball. The, the, the service was good. Right. Um, but this was one of Nigel those. Roberta lost lost possession yeah. he lost it in midfield it, this was not like he was not in the box or around the box this right. was very much in midfield so they didn't have that far to go to to get the ball forward to santos um just dc united made it too easy for philly on two occasions and philly said thank you very much we'll take it mm-hmm. um that said it wasn't it, it's not like the whole game played out like that these were the two decisive moments mm-hmm. um but dc united I, I said at the top came out of the gate 
absolutely on fire. Um, could have scored in the first 30 seconds, hit the crossbar uh, a couple minutes after that. Uh, just the the goal, the first goal that, that Philly had 10 in the 11th minute was just, it, it was against the run of play and it just kind of changed the game because suddenly Philly had their goal and they could change to this plan B. They didn't have to play the game on even footing in front of their home fans. They They were able to just see it out for a while. Um, but see, they, those first 10 minutes were really fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was, this was DC playing, uh, with the style that we've, we've, they've recently shown that they know how to start a game at full speed. Um, the union are pretty good at that and they were still kind of off balance. They were thrown off. They, you know, I, I imagine that the adjustment to going defensive for them dropping off real deep into this low block, it was probably coming if, even if they didn't score the goal, uh, just to, just to get through the first half hour of the game, it was probably coming anyway, just as a survival measure. Um, so it's, again, it's a situation where DC tactically was well-prepared, well-drilled on, uh, what they were supposed to do to throw off their opponent, to, to get after them. They were, in the right mindset to play faster than Philly, uh, which is all really good. Um, it's just that, you know, one, one little mistake in there, they give, they give away the goal. They get punished by a good team, maybe against some of the other teams in the league, this goal doesn't get scored because they're not as ruthless, but um, this is kind of the, this is not the first time we've talked about uh, DC's, looking pretty good, but not quite good enough to figure out these excellent teams at the top of the East and the unions, one of that group. And those teams, I think they're aware, like you don't get the element of surprise that some teams get when they go from being bad to being good. Um, Because I think these teams have all seen very quickly, like this is a good team and we need to treat them as such. And every team says that every week, we're going to be talking about that concept later in the show. Um, but there's a difference between saying it and actually like following through. Um, and the union came in ready, pre- prepared to, if we manage to catch them on the break, if we manage to weather the storm, whatever we have to do, um, and we get our lead, this is what we're going to do. And they were ready for that once they got that first goal. And it was, you know, we're going to drop deep and we're going to disrupt and disrupt and disrupt uh, with a lot of fouls and kicking. Yeah, um, yeah, the, not just fouls, hard fouls. Oh yeah, yeah. Like um, I, I, I'm amazed that there weren't more yellow cards in this first half. I think, I think Chilowitz, the referee, uh, kind of failed in that respect. Yeah. But I mean, Philly. I mean, that that's MLS. You can't. You got to take the ref you have, right? Mm-hmm. And Philly understood what they would be able to get away with, and they pushed pushed it right up to the line, but DC United lost two players to foot injuries that were the result. I think both of them were the result of fouls. I know mm-hmm. Canales's was, I'm not sure about Perez. I don't remember saying, I, I don't remember the exact he circumstances. Got, he got crashed it. into along the touch line. Um, yeah, it was yeah, off it was, the ball. It, it wasn't yeah. called a foul, but it was, it, right. that's what it was. Um, you know, those guys coming out changes the game for sure. Um, Julian Gressel spent several spells on the ground after getting crashed yeah. into. It was just, it was obviously this was their strategy. They, they knew they couldn't play soccer with DC United, which is crazy for the supporter shield winners to admit that there's a substart team that they, they can't hang with. And so they just go straight dirty. 
Um, and that's a valid choice. I'm not saying that Jim Curtin is is bad or wrong for doing it. It obviously worked. It's just, um, it's a heck of a recognition. Uh, and it sucks because no one wants to see that either. And I, 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 I fully admit the irony of a DC United podcast sure. saying this after the last decade. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the union were good at it. And they also, I think they they acted knowing that they, they understood the terrain. Um, you, as you mentioned, you just got to deal with the ref you get in this league. Um, well, if you're the union, that means there's nothing really dissuading you. Like there's no evidence that this is not going to work. Um, if you, if you can manage to not irritate the referee so that the referee just turns against you and becomes un, unreasonably harsh towards you, you can get half an hour in a game and just start uh, kicking people. And in, in MLS more often than not, you just won't get in very much trouble. Um, yep. And I mean, not only that, like if we want to keep talking about Chilowitz, uh, there's an old, there's a thing Ben Olsen said several times in games where VAR was such a big factor. And it was that it's great to have this backup plan to make sure the calls are right. That's, it's better to have them right than wrong, but it is also worrying when we have to go to it so often to get things right. Um, because it should be something you can get right the first time without having to do it because VAR, especially these calls the in this game, yeah, the, the penalty the, that was over. Turned the, was... the penalty that Chilowitz was like two yards from, like he had mm-hmm. a clear, perfect view. His positioning was very good. Um, and he saw with his eyeballs, the thing that happened and was like, I guess it's a penalty. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll call it. Um, and it gets overturned. But now what happens is the temperature of the game gets raised because now United for about two minutes feels aggrieved that they've been given the wrong call, which they were. Uh, and then you overturn it, and now the entire crowd and the entire union team are aggrieved because you took a penalty away from them. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's a good penalty or not. They're right. still it doesn't matter if it team. was right. They're going to feel... The gift is being re- re- taken out of their hands. They're going to be mad. Um, this is the consequence of making this kind of mistake. Um, and, you know, yes, it's good. He got the, the two VAR calls were made correctly. Uh, I didn't... I don't remember who was the VAR official... Those guys did a good job of analyzing these big plays and saying, like, actually, you need to look at this because you've, you, you, it appears you've made a mistake. And um, getting it done relatively quickly. Yes. Too. Yeah. We, we didn't have two minutes of, uh, yeah, I said two minutes. It was really like 30 to 15 to 30 seconds both times. It was pretty quick. Um, yeah, so all there wasn't of a long wait before it. And then the video right. was the correct clip. Right. So all, all of that was very good. Uh, but two different times. Uh, you have United having a legitimate complaint. So now they're angry and they're already have reason to be angry because they're getting kicked all the time. And then you have something that makes the crowd furious, that makes the union players furious um, because they, they lose something that they thought they had. Um, And so no one wins like in a game, especially in a game like this, it just, it played into this acrimonious situation that was not, was not helpful for United. Um, and it's not a ton of fun to watch. Uh, it, it just, a lot of people that are mad for, for understandable reasons, but the result is just, it's not great. This wasn't a pretty game of soccer at all. Um, and some of that, you know, as much as we're talking about the referee DC wasn't at their best. The union did pretty well to disrupt the attacking soccer that you, that United has showed of late that they are capable of. Um, and that's, 
you know, to the union's credit, when they weren't kicking people, um, the other stuff they were doing was also pretty high level defensive stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, although the in the first half, just, there was a, a big chunk of like the slowest part of the first half, I think, was when United had 10, sometimes nine players on the field because yes. there was always someone receiving treatment for for a solid 15 or 20 minute stretch. It seemed like there was always somebody receiving treatment. And it was it was really frustrating because it's like you're just losing this time to actually play the game because and and the referee's got a sense it has to sense that this is the plan um that that it's not this isn't persistent infringement against one guy this isn't one of those it's a we're going to commit a foul or go in egregiously hard over and over again um as an attempt to disrupt and dis you know unsettle the other team um and referees have the right to say like it it doesn't have to be one player committing all the fouls. It doesn't have to be one player who's getting uh, fouled every single time. You can perceive the tactic and say, like, listen, the next one of you that commits one of these fouls that is a just a persistent infringement foul as a tactic, I'm going to book. Like, you tell the captain, you gesture, you you make it clear to the players, you're counting, you know, whatever it is. Um, there are ways to f- show the other team that this is not permissible and – no attempt to slow this down was made at all. No. Um, and, I, you know, unfortunately for United, the lesson here is that this is something they have to get better at because mm-hmm. in term, like the union were bastards in this game, but sometimes you United, be bastards. You gotta be United bastards. is going to encounter some bastards and they're going to have to be able to get out of that better than they did in this game because right. as much as there are a lot of complaints and things to feel frustrated and aggrieved about, this wasn't a very good United performance either. As much as I understand some of why the losing players in the first half to injury, when you've already got at least one player that wasn't supposed to go 90 in your lineup. Um, and, you know, I will say the bench maybe needs to handle that the Canals and Perez subs better, right? Make them at once. So you keep your window, you keep one more window. Um, I know that's harder in the heat of the moment with everything going on. You're trying, your training like, staff you're trying, trying not to, to go you, down to nine men for any longer sure, than and you, you have to. And your training staff is trying to give you information about whether two different guys can play on or not. I know it's tough, um, but this was a moment where maybe you do risk playing for like 75 seconds with nine men and just tell everyone, kick the ball upfield. Like for the next like 75 seconds while uh, Jordi Reyna gets his jersey on, the only thing we need to do is kick the ball as far away from our goal as possible. And then once we make the subs, we go back to normal. You guys can do this. Right. We can, um, and, and if it's not the coaching staff, then it needs to be players on the field. Like this mm-hmm. is not something that you need your coach to tell you. Um, but you know, it's, it's a tough situation. The sub window thing is still very new. Um, and it ultimately, I don't think it made that big of a difference in the game. Um, it might have given United the chance to sub Burnbaum out before this ankle sprain because it did happen on that goal. Uh, try, trying to make a like long run and hero tackle um, is, is how it happened. It wasn't some like he stumbled and fell over. Um, it's, it's a relief to know that it's just a sprain and it yes. isn't related to his uh, existing uh, surgeries. He had. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this was – this was a game where it kind of did feel like as much as we've seen United make a lot of progress, it also was a game where it felt like we're not quite there yet. Uh, it was a reminder that 7-1 was a lot of fun a couple of weeks ago, um, but we're also not quite at the top just yet. Yeah, uh, to United's credit, they came out of halftime with 
kind of a renewed sense of what they wanted to do. And they, they got downfield, they got a corner, um, they played it short, and Jordi Reyna drew a foul in the box to, to get a penalty. They got two corners. Oh, two, yeah, that's right. It, it, was, was, it was the second corner that went short instead. So mm-hmm. um, showing some variation uh, for, for our listeners who are among the anti-short corner uh, crowd, <laughs> I want to – I want to again remind you that, like, I, I don't know. It, it reminds me of people being like, "I'm not eating arugula." Um, right. And it's it's, like, as my four-year-old has taken to saying recently, "Change is the spice of life." <laughs> yes, he literally listen, says that all listen, the time now. Listen to this child um, <laughs> from the change. the mouths of babes, uh, and it worked. Jordy mm-hmm. Reyna was able to just dribble into the box and drew a, a really needless well, penalty. Um, yeah, because well, the you know the union were trying to go in on every tackle to murder, right? Um, you, and so if you get in the judo, box, yeah, use that against them. Um, uh, Jamil Assad did really well, put it away very calmly. DC United, I think, had the better of play for a little while after that before Philly started to to come back into it, and then eventually mm-hmm. got the counterattack goal. Uh, and then I don't know, Chester, Mother Nature uh, decided to to bully DC United a little while uh, as yeah. well. I mean, this was like the forecast for this game was like there's a chance of lightning happening pretty much any time. Um, so I had I had mentally prepared myself. I was like, there's probably going to be a delay in this game. Right. Um, this wasn't a lightning delay so much as a, a well, it was major no, it was storm lightning. delay. There it was, was lightning, lightning, but I, yeah. I what I heard from from the PA like on the broadcast saying the National Weather Service has issued. It's like, oh, this is a for real. This is a full on storm threat, not just lightning is in the area. This is everyone has to go inside because right. there's well, going to be deluge. dangerous weather. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the reporters that were there, I think um, Jonathan Tannenwald had a um, a shot of looking out from the press box or the, the, the little um, press room work area slash uh, cafeteria, for lack of a better word. It looks out over the parking lot and just a shot of like, just like not just the rain, but like the amount of water coming off of the roof and coming down the side of the building was just like, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Just like too much water torrent. in one place. Yeah. A, a torrent of water that, that, that was like an indicator of just how bad things were getting. Um, yeah. Shouts to the DC supporters in the, the concourse though. Claudia Pagan from the team uh, got a couple videos of, of them rocking out during the weather delay. So I remember those days of, you know, RFK crazy weather delays and, and joining the drum circle and mosh pit and whatever else happened to be happening to, to keep your energy up during the, Mm -hmm. during the delay. Um, It always seemed to happen against the Houston dynamo back in the day though. Yeah. uh, There, I don't know, four different times against the dynamo. We had some of those. I think, I think at least a couple of them were technically the same game. Like they rescheduled it. And then there was another one that day. Yes. Uh, that was a game so, that that the uh, the angry gods that control the weather did not want to happen. Um, but yeah, the you know unfortunately it meant or you know maybe on one hand fortunately it did give United who had just made a triple sub like I don't know forty five seconds before the stoppage happened. Yeah, um, it did give them time to figure out like all right, so what are we going to do here? Um, we've got time to recalibrate because we're trailing. We're put Fred it's, up top. It's late because. When they made the sub, it was initially a reaction to Burnbaum's injury. Yeah, um, we might have been if the game had finished up as as scheduled, we might have been a few minutes away from the Briant going up front situation. Um, it might have just come down the road, but also 
um, I actually wrote down um, because during the stoppage, I had time to like rewatch the period of game that was played before the stoppage. Yes. Um, to get the formation, and at the time, they just had Yao and Reyna up front, and they had moved into like a three-one-four-two, um, which isn't the ideal thing because you've got two guys that aren't really strikers up front in a game where you have right. to go direct. Um, so I wasn't surprised. I, if you go check the site Twitter, you can see coming out of the delay that I was like, it's probably going to be Brown up front. Um, I don't know what else is going to happen here, but like when you look at the available players, it's hard to come up with a formation that, that has a true striker unless you're just throwing the big guy up front because that's just, right. that's what's left. Um, Ola Kamara had a family matter, so he wasn't available. Um, we just found out from Steve Goff's reporting today that uh, Giovanni Bolivar has been he, – he and Eric Sorga have effectively been, been swapped. Sorga's off the injured reserve but has been loaned down to Loudon, so he's still not on DC's active roster, and I, Bolivar I has been brought up. I haven't seen it officially confirmed, but my assumption is that Sorga has the green card now. That we uh, don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I haven't seen it yeah. confirmed, but I know, we know that's why he went back to Estonia. Yes, but uh, uh, yeah, no, no way. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know either. Way, yeah, either way, he didn't. If he does have the green card, he didn't get it in time for it to count for this season for roster purposes under right. the the regulations. So he's going to continue to be an international player for at least for MLS. But he's back. He's off injured reserve, and and the nineteen year old Bolivian Giovanni Bolivar, I assume, will be in the game day roster for for Venezuela. Chicago. Venezuelan, sorry, yeah, you're right. Um, the the name throws me off every time, right? Uh, and it's a it's common South American name, so I should be better than that. But uh, assume he'll be on the roster for the Chicago game. Uh, a few DC DC United players who may or may not be. Uh, you mentioned Ola Kamara was not at the Philly game, may or may not be at the Chicago game, dealing with a, seems, a personal it seems matter. Doubtful. Um, yeah. at this point, I would say, yeah. Uh, we hope everything's okay and everything turns out okay, whatever is happening with, with him and his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned Russell Knauss and Adrian Perez, who both left the the Philly game with foot injuries. Their status is unknown at this point, but don't be surprised if they don't make the trip. Stephen Birnbaum has an ankle sprain. Those usually last more than a day or two. He might be ready for the weekend. Probably not ready Probably for, not. for this one. Uh, Brendan Hines Ike is definitely out. Um, he's on the injured reserve indefinitely uh, with, I believe it was a, a broken hip socket. Yeah. A fractured uh, hip socket, uh, which uh, I, I spoke to a physical therapist, a friend of mine from college does this for a living. Uh, he is a, uh, has all the credentials and all, all the other, the letters after his name, there are many of them. Um, and his first reaction was just like, do you know, do you know how it happened? And I said, no. Um, he said, well, this is not the best news, uh, for him because, um, this can be like a really big, like a, an injury that threatened your career. Um, but the fact that he played on, cause this was something that happened against TFC during the first half and he got to halftime. Um, and if, if my recall, my recollection of that game is that no one was particularly like thinking he needed to come out either. He didn't right. look like someone who needed to come out. We we um, we were surprised that he was the center back change. We expected yes, because Brian had yeah Brian had a knock as well. Um, so yeah, that that's an indicator that it's maybe not uh, to the extent that we have to think of like you know can he ever play again? 
but it is definitely a long-term thing. You can't just go into someone's hip and fix fractured bone and they heal up after six weeks. Right. This is going that. to be a non-surgical recovery. He's yes. just got to wait for it to get better, basically. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what kind of treatments they can give, but he's got to wait for his hip to heal. Yeah, um, which is so, which is really rough uh, yeah. because I think someone of Heinzike's mobility and comfort on the ball is kind of the ideal for playing in this system. Uh, the fact that he seems comfortable playing on the right or in the middle uh, also very helpful. So, right. um, and I think his absence and Russell Knauss's too. They, especially Heinzike, understands the dark arts maybe better than anyone on this team, not named Felipe. Right. And dealing with Philadelphia, you know, you feel like he would have been able to give as good as he got in that situation and that that could have helped dc united in this game but he obviously wasn't available Mm -hmm. um he he brings something that a lot of players on this team just don't have right now yeah uh and that's kind of a recurring theme with a lot of these absences you know no one on the team plays like canals we don't have a similar guy to plug in we have players that play that position right and Uh, moses nyman did really well i thought in this right but he doesn't play the position the same way as canals um, and, and, you know, as an option when you're trailing one nothing against a team that sits deep, um, that's a good option to have. Um, but when it's 0-0, zero, zero, uh, you probably want your best 11, and Canals is definitely in that best 11 no matter how you set them up. Um, and, it, it you know, it, it rec- it's recurring. You know, Ariola and Pines, we don't really have players who play exactly like them. Ariola has, you know, there's Adrian Perez, but... One, Perez, as we already said, seems to be pretty doubtful for this game as well. Um, and two is just not at Ariola's level. Um, and then Kevin Paredes, um, mm-hmm. it appears he's doubtful from this uh, hamstring strain that uh, we can thank the U.S. men's national team for, apparently, which is not a lot of fun. Uh, for a- Right. It's, it, it's unclear whether he was held out of the Philly game in hopes that he would be available for Chicago or if he's just not well, ready to play at all. So, um, so but Losada, his absence was also, Oh, go ahead. Losada after the game said that um, it wasn't that he was being held out. It was that he has a new injury. Um, so I would take that to mean he's again, like I'm, I'm calling it doubtful rather than questionable for a reason. Um, I don't think this team wants to rush him back with a muscular injury. Um, yeah. It would be great to have him uh, because we do not have a player like Kevin Paredes. And the closest thing we do have is Andy Nahar, who we need in the back because all the center backs are unavailable right now. Right. I think Paredes would have been especially helpful against Philadelphia just because of the width he provides and he requires help to come out because he is Mm -hmm. such a good one-on-one attacker uh, and so gifted with the ball at his feet. And Joseph Mora, you know, we love Joseph Mora on this podcast, but he's not, that kind of player right uh, as jason was alluding to he's he when he beats guys on the dribble it's when he's running full speed ahead already and his passing is not as creative or as nuanced um and i don't think he had a bad game in this one it's just he doesn't bring what what Wait, paredes does to the table he, he's a fullback playing further forward um yeah. he's an old school wingback um where it's just a defender that's been told hey you can attack some more um and that's great um, but Paredes is an attacking player who's playing as a wing back, and that means when it works, because that can go really badly wrong if you have a bad player doing it or a player who can't get the defensive balance right. Um, but Paredes gets the defensive balance right and also still brings 
uh, you know, all of that ability to get forward and beat defenders and create things uh, that he would as a winger. So, um, yeah, there's no the only direct replacement on this team for him at all is Nahar, but Nahar can't move up right now because there's so few defenders available. So um, I wonder if we see like a Griffin Yao in that position, or I I think Griffin Yao is pretty likely to start this game, whether it's one of the uh, attacking three or, or at left wing back specifically um, because he's played some wing back in this system on the right side, granted, but um, he he's the only player that brings a similar attacking threat that's not Andy Nahar who, and I don't think you can plug Griffin Yao in at center back in any right. system, but certainly not this one. Um, yeah. Hernan Losada has got some decisions to make uh, with this new spate of injuries, which mostly are not the overtraining. He's, he got some stick early in the year from a lot of media uh, about all the injuries, many of which were preexisting and, and some of which were, were just things that happen when you're ramping up training. Uh, But the team got through it. And now we have this new wave that is a result of being kicked or freak hip injuries or, uh, you know, Greg Berhalter not warming up his players enough or something. I don't know. It could have been Kevin trying too hard because he's at the national team and he's, he pushes himself far harder than he should have. Whatever the reason um, these don't look like Hernan Losada over training injuries. Um, Certainly not Gabriel Heinze. Right. Well, this is, injuries. <laughs> I mean, this is an important like line to draw. Um, Losada mentioned at one point uh, earlier this year, he said like, we do no more than 90 minutes of training a day. We don't do two a days. Um, it's, it's strict and it's demanding, but it's not overexertion. Um, and there's a reason why so many guys were out for so long early in the season. And it was a lot of them were above the line of could play a soccer game but how many games can they play in a row before they have a setback and, and go back out? Um, this Especially was about at getting, the higher intensity level. Right. And this was about getting a lot of these guys to a point where they could be relied on to play the next 10 games without having to worry about a setback. Um, and this is very different from Gabriel Heinze doing, you know, responding to a, a poor run of form with two a days um, or saying you can't have water. We're just generally trying to grind his players into dust is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not the same thing. Um, and I, I know none of us outside of like, if we've got listeners that actually are in the physical therapy and high performance fields, then you know what you're talking about, but the rest of us don't. Um, the, the best we can do is try and learn what we can, but we shouldn't, we should be very careful in comparing um what DC's gone through because these injuries, these new injuries we're talking about are, you know, Canals and Perez and possibly Nigel Roberta, um, because he also got subbed out and he was not moving very well after all from the, the non-foul that caused the goal. Yep. Um, all of these were contact. This was contact. They got kicked. Um, the reason this, the player needed ice on their foot or, or was limping was either, contact from the union or in burn bombs case, you know, he went in for a tackle and his ankle probably got caught in the grass and it sprained. Um, this, these are not, again, this is not the result of, you know, doing too much in the gym or doing too many sprints without rest or whatever. Um, it's just, this was a game that is, it's kind of a rare thing, but it's like, how many times have you seen a game where this many players come off with a knock or something that needs monitoring or actually requires a sub? It's not very often. Um, yeah, 
this is the kind of game where if, if, if it were football manager, you'd be like, I'm going to just turn the computer off. Like uh, this, this is a cursed game. They're just injuring the, the algorithm has settled on a uh, infinite loop of injuring players. And I can't have this. Um, but unfortunately in real life, I guess you just get unlucky. Um, and you end up with a, a referee or like one, you end up with an opponent that's willing to just go studs up uh, over and over again. And then to, your a referee, referee sees nothing wrong with that right Fe- feels like Literally discouraging up. them is not the not the, the move to make yeah I had, I had neglected to mention that that Roberta got subbed off I should have done that right. earlier but yeah of the three those three injury subs all of which were the result of being kicked only one of them was called a foul granted yes. it was a yellow card and it was the one that that eventually got Canals out of the game but man you just literally injuring people with impunity up there in Philly uh, it's it's frustrating. Um, it feels more like a rivalry now than it did uh, a yeah. week ago. I'll yeah, say that. I'm 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 frustrated. I'm bitter. Um, moving on to the midweek game. Uh, always moving forward. DC United go up to Chicago Wednesday night uh, for a date with the fire as they renew what I think we're going to be calling Z Soccer Pod Classicer. Does that does okay. that sound like a good name for this? This one, uh, Julian Gressel got the better of his podcast ho- co-host, uh, Fabian Herbers, in the last meeting. one nothing win for D.C. United on buzzard point. It uh, was closer than it needed to be, really. Mm-hmm. D.C. United should have put this game to bed, and Chicago came on late and nearly equalized a couple of times. Um, yeah, this game will be Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, all the usual outlets. Um, if you if you missed it earlier in the podcast, I listed them. So go back and, and listen there or, you know, just look it up because it's easy to find. Uh, we're going to talk quickly about the fire here um, before we get out of here this evening. They are they have three wins on the season, two draws and eight losses. Two of those three wins were in their last three games this month. Um, so before you get too worried about that, though, their their most recent game was a five to one loss in Nashville, which was every bit the thrashing that that DC United gave to Toronto FC complete with a red card after which they piled on more goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Only Cincinnati and Toronto have given up more goals in the Eastern conference than Chicago and only Miami and Atlanta have scored fewer goals. That said, uh, Jason, you and I were talking about this earlier, 10 of Chicago's 14 goals this season have come in their last four games. They had one against mm-hmm. Nashville and then three in each of the games before that, all of which were home games. Yeah. Uh, you know, as as bad as the fire seem and, and some of it is there. I mean, they they I, were really bad. Yeah. yeah they, they're not a good team um, for sure. Uh, their, their record is not a mistake, um, but they are still attack minded. Um, if you watch their start of this Nashville game where they got shredded to bits, um, they were they came out playing a high press three four three. Um, they went after Nashville. Um, I think maybe out of the thought process that Nashville has shown a tendency to fall behind in games. Um, maybe out of a tendency to to be like, you know what, this is just who we are. We're going to go attack, um, and we're going to do it on the road, and and we're we're going to be brave. And maybe they shouldn't have been brave because you know they lost five. This game was over in either the 14th minute when they got their red card or the 16th minute when Hani Mukhtar 
uh, finished con- his hat trick. <laughs> finished his hat trick by converting the free kick that got the red card on Johan Kapelhoff um, to just add like insult to injury for Chicago. Um, yeah, they 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 went after it. They just were hopelessly naive and not well structured to do so, and and also just not. They just don't have enough talent. If we're being perfectly honest, they're just lacking, uh, especially in the back. Um, but that was at Nashville. At home, the Fire are decent. Um, they're they're uh, I believe it's three wins, two draws, three losses. Um, these recent home games, like you said, Adam, they've scored three goals in their last th- each of their last three home games. They've hit three on the scoreboard. And it's not against bums. They did this against Orlando. They did this against Philadelphia. Um, against the Union, it was a 3-3 draw. Against Orlando, it was a 3-1 win, which I think both of those were results that D.C. fans would like to exchange a home game against those teams and get that yeah. result instead. Um, there is, you know, they beat Atlanta 3-1, which is at this point what you do to this version, at least the pre-Heinz of firing. That one was 3 nothing, right? Uh, maybe or was it? I, did Atlanta? No, yeah, get one? you're right. You're right. That was the three nothing, and then three one was Orlando. Um, but yeah, um, you beat or you know you beat up on Atlanta while they hate their coach and wish they were not playing uh soccer for this man right. anymore. That's DC Toronto. Yeah, we we did this. So um, this is not as much as that Nashville game looks like. Okay, this is a team that DC should definitely bounce back against. Um. I would caution a little against being overconfident. For one, DC's down to, depending on how many players, like we just talked about all the guys that are out, we could be talking like if Roberta is hurt as well um, and Kamara has to continue uh, to miss out for his off-field matter, we could be talking about 19 players in uniform um, and like Giovanni Bolivar starting um, and things like that because it's just, it's that bare bones. Um, and the other side of that is that Chicago will be, I'm sure, stung by that result. And maybe they crumble. Maybe this is the result that just their season goes into more of a tailspin. But this could be the game where it's like the slap in the face. And maybe they don't play, you know, better soccer or show suddenly more ability than they've shown. But they at least come out with the requisite intensity and dedication to their craft and you know, dignity because they didn't they didn't have much dignity against Nashville. It kind of got it taken away from them very quickly and never got it back. Um, so I, I have a theory about these three games that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with actually on the field at all. These were the three games that Arlo White came back to call mm-hmm. these three home games. Like you watch the highlights and there's a major difference, not just in the way Chicago are playing because it's Arlo White's voice doing play by play. I think they just got fired up to have Arlo on on site. <laughs> And then they went right back to being the Chicago fire against Nashville. So hopefully they can, you know, hopefully my theory is right. And they're just the, the bad, bad fire. Yeah. Um, DC goes up there. I, I don't think Hernan Losada should count on that. I don't think she, probably she should game plan around this theory. That would be folly, but uh, I really hope it's true. I mean, I, I could think of like, it's been weird with Chicago as well. Um, the fact that Rafael Vicky has not seemed to, learn all that much despite the struggles the fires of fire have had in his entire tenure um he does not seem to be that he doesn't he's not the like angrily defiant type like Heinze uh but he's also just like yeah I understand and uh, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing um and uh it has largely not even when he has changed things and 
these uh, recent, these last four games, Chicago has been in this um, mostly, I would say three, four, two, one, but this Nashville game, they really did have three guys pushed up as a front three. Um, so they have they, tried they really to hadn't played a, a back three all season before that, right. or, they... or even in the latter stages of last year. Right. It was all four, two, three, one. Um, it was very much like this is the formation and it's fluid and this and that, but um, yeah, they, they switched it up um, to try. I mean, because their season's going very badly, they switched it up because like, obviously it wasn't working. Um, so they had to figure out some other way to, to go about their business. Um, it doesn't, it's not like a lot of like players that didn't fit the four, two, three, one are suddenly and now, now, given a role that suits them more. Um, it really is just a, like, uh, we got to do something else. Um, but interestingly, Vicky won't be involved in this game. He has a personal matter that was going to keep, it kept him out for the Nashville game. It'll keep him out for this game before he's supposed to return from uh, Switzerland. So it'll be um, Frank Klopas. Yes. Frank Klopas the is the, the acting head coach for Chicago is, is uh, Frankie Klopas. Um, he's back. Uh, and it's not like, it's not like he, you know, Vicky didn't, it's it's not like a teen movie from the eighties where the parents give the kid the keys and they're like, all right, don't burn the house down. And the kid spends two, two, the next two hours partying. Um, and then has to, you know, panic and clean up the, the, everything to make it look like there wasn't a party there for three weeks. Um, or however long it was, um, he's still playing. He's still just in charge of whatever Vicky's plan was. Um, and I, I don't know how much that played into their lack of preparation against Nashville. Um, but it isn't great when your coach says, I can't be here for these two games. This is the acting head coach for them. And in the first game, you lose 5-1 and you lose like up front. Like very early, the game is completely over and and hopelessly beyond repair. Uh, that doesn't look good for Klopas. Hopefully Chicago I don't... has that in their mind. And I assume they don't have like, when I think of Frank Klopas at this point, I just think of having Steven Lenhart in reserve or Alan Gordon in reserve mm-hmm. to come out and just score headers late in the game. I don't think either of them are still playing, let alone on the Chicago Fire, so we should be safe on that front. Yes. <laughs> um, but also, he's not doing Klopas ball. He's playing Vicky's style. Yeah, he, he, he is trying. He's trying. They're trying to continue to do the same thing, which is they are trying to play expansive soccer. Um, the Fire, for all of their problems are not trying to destroy the game. They're not trying to bunker. Um, They're not going direct. They want to keep the ball. They want to be stylish. They want to put on a show. Um, They just don't have the players for it. Uh, Their failing is just they don't have enough good soccer players. Um, Yeah, the the goals they scored over the – I watched the highlights from this latest run of theirs. The goals they scored seem to be from set pieces. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Jacob Glesnes scoring a worldie of an own goal. Yes. Um, they, they, you can't really count on that. And then no. <laughs> looking for Robert Barrett in the channels. Those those are where the goals seem to mostly come from. Uh, and then occasionally, you know, they'd, they'd create something at the top of the box and um, Ali Seda would, would score a, a curler. Like he, he sure. did that a couple of well, times. He had, the, he had two in one game. Uh, yeah. And so he got player of the week the same week DC beat Toronto 7-1. to one. Um which I feel like there were several because DC deep- had a, no repeat goal scorers. They had yeah. nobody scored a brace in that game. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the fire, it's not that they have, uh, I'm, I'm pretending like they have too many bad players. They have a bunch of guys that are adequate. 
It's just that they don't have, and this is, you know, a problem that DC has to a certain extent is that they don't have game breaking attackers and they don't have um, these excellent defensive players that can, that can just shut down anything that comes their way. Um, it's just the fire have much more of that as a problem. The lo- the level is lower across the board. Um, I will say that one, you know, cause this game is on short rest for both teams. The fact that the game was such a bloodbath so early uh, did give Chicago the quote unquote luxury of Robert Barrich was subbed out at halftime. Uh, Fabian or Fabian Herbers was subbed out at halftime. Um, so they gave some of these guys that probably needed a rest. They gave them a rest because it's like, well, this game is lost. So why ask you to run? Um, now the curious side of that is that Herbers at least was replaced by uh, Gaston Jimenez, who's fallen out of favor, uh, despite being like a Paraguayan national team player. And I believe still a designated player. So that's a different problem for Chicago is that they've got someone they spent a lot of money on who has appeared to be pretty talented. Uh, and he has fallen out of favor for reasons unknown. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to approach the situation because, you know, Nashville pretty ruthlessly exposed what they're bad at playing in this formation. And now, one thing we know for sure is that if Lozada has time to prep for an opponent, he figures out their tendencies. He figures out what their weaknesses are and how to get at them and how to do it playing DC United soccer. So if I were Chicago, I would probably consider not trying to be so expansive against DC, but I don't think Chicago is going to do that. I, I think that they have decided they are going to do this no matter what they if the ship, goes down in this terrible storm they're going to sail right into it um and and if they come out the other side great and if the if the ship goes down and everyone goes into the deep then that's that's how it ended um it's a interesting approach we don't see it in mls very much we don't see a team play badly for this long and not adjust somehow uh, and not say we can't be this wide open anymore we can't do it we're getting slaughtered Chicago is still doing it, uh, and right. I don't. It's, I don't expect it to change on Wednesday night. Yeah, I remember Ben Olsen in 2010 tried to play that way. It did not work. They no, did and, not have the horses, and he completely changed his style. Maybe too much in sure. some cases. Um, and then 2013 was a very different story. Um, it was a different kind of bad in 2013. Right. Anyway, that's all in the past. DC United will be at Chicago. We'll see if they can put the fire to the sword and. Uh, make Frank Klopas slash Rafa Vicky um, feel, feel some pain there. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. I don't think we're going to have an, uh, any early episodes this week just because the games come so fast and furious during double game weeks. But when it's a, a regular single game week, uh, our patrons do get early access to the second episode each week. So uh, if you're so inclined and you have the means, please check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. Please follow us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at black and red you for the website. You can also find all of our uh, personal ones in the filibuster Twitter bio, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up wherever you get your podcasts. I'm told ratings and reviews are very helpful. I find that word of mouth is also very helpful. So so please tell a friend about the show next time you're talking about DC United. For Jason and the absent Ben, I'm Adam. 
We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. In the Fast and Furious movies, Han, the character Han, is immortal. 